When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mike from Realistic Sustainability. Guess what? We're back. Yeah, Nick and I together. That's what this next episode will be. Us doing a show like we used to always do it. It was a long break and it probably felt longer for me, but I am so happy to be back. Apparently though, I've completely forgot how to do my job. So on this next episode, you're going to find out that I wasn't even using the microphone I was using. Sadly, the audio won't be as good because it's actually recording from my laptop. Even funnier, if I release the video, I'm wearing a headset. Apparently, just for looks. Sorry about that. Next week, maybe I'll get the tech side right. Either way, I really hope you enjoy this episode because I was so happy to be back. Thanks again, and here you go. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability, and yep, you're hearing it correct. We're back. We're actually back. Not a rerun. I am here, and so is Nick. Well, you got that right, Michael. It's been a long, long, tired, gruesome wait, but we have made our triumphant return to the digital space. How are you, sir? I am feeling way better. You realize we haven't done this since last year? Technically, yeah, you make it sound so dramatic. It has been since last year. Not 365 dreadful days where people were just fiending, having withdrawal symptoms. No, a couple weeks. But in those couple weeks, a lot of things happened. We were super busy. You were sick. And then um, we took turns forgetting about each other. You know, I've never, ever been stood up or stood someone else up in my life. So it was nice. I got to feel like I was the guy in charge for a minute. But uh, ultimately, I'm happy to be here. Me too. Me too. It feels feels good just getting back and being able to do these things that we like. Plus, I'm very grateful. Do you realize we we got just as many messages and just as much comments and things on our reruns as we did the regular shows? It makes me think maybe we should just do reruns for a whole season because it seemed like people liked them. Well, they did like them, but you got to realize that as we, as we progressed through our, our very first year, year and a half, we were building an audience. Not everyone goes back and finds a podcast they like and then, you know, redoes the entire thing to catch up. Not everyone has that kind of time. And so there's a lot of people that do enjoy our product that have never actually heard our old stuff. So I think throwing a rerun in there every now and then may not be a bad idea. In fact, just... Just throwing this out there. Maybe consider opening another day. We already have Wednesdays for shorts. We do new episodes on Fridays. Maybe on Monday, we just throw a rerun on so people can have the opportunity to catch up. Whew, that was fast. Okay. <laughs> a lot of air there. I know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was just very surprised. I, I hate not recording. I hate not putting out new content. You know, so it was, it made me feel bad, but I'm happy that everybody was still enjoying what they were getting on there. Now, I did go back and listen to the shorts I tried to make. I'm hoping that my voice does not sound like that because that was while I was sick and I sound terrible. <laughs> well, you you don't sound 100% you right now, but you do sound better than that, at least in my in my estimation. So I, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, I still have a little minor cough here and there. And if I talk too long and use up all the air in my lungs, it will give me a cough. But other than that, 
I feel like I'm back. I'm probably 95%. Hey, listen, let's round that up. That's an A plus, man. Speaking. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to jump off topic for about 30 seconds. Um, So my son, uh, this is just a little, a little funny, you know, W2F story. My son, we're at dinner last night, is talking to us about his grades so far and what he got in geometry and stuff. And he goes, I got 124%. And I stopped and went, do you, do you know that it's based off 100, right? So you got a whole quarter of another grade for extra credit. He's like, yeah. And I went, how? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, you should know. Or someone. math. It's math. It's it's it should be pretty cut and dry. And if you don't know, then you maybe your teacher doesn't know how to teach math. And I've never been a huge fan of going over a hundred percent in anything because that is really what it's supposed to mean is complete. And it drove me nuts even more in math. It, it I I know. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm ecstatic that he's doing so well. I really am. When he was younger, he wasn't the greatest student, and since he's been in high school, he's been rocking it, and that's awesome. And I am so proud of him. I just have never in my life ever heard of that much extra credit. Like 24% is a huge amount. And the way I look at it, and I was a terrible student, but I think when I was in school, if a teacher would have been able to motivate me, which it's like trying to move the rock. I don't think it's ever would have happened, but it would have made more sense for them to give, just give me more time to turn in late work versus trying to like, okay, well you didn't do this, but will you please do this? Like it, it doesn't, right. it doesn't, I don't understand it, but either way, I just want to throw it out there. 124%. Okay. Um, uh, rock and roll. Well, I'm going to sell myself out when I came to college, I used to track where I was after every assignment and do the math so that, you know, to, as of today, I have a C. If I shut it down right now, I've passed. If, like, don't even have to do the final. If my score is 124% and we're creeping into the end of the season, that is not going to motivate me to do my best work. I used to shut it down around a B plus, knowing that if I just turned a paper in with my name on it, I would get some points. And by the end of it, I'm still in the A. I, I get that. I mean, it, it's amazing to me for you to, to sell yourself out and then go, oh, yeah, I made it to a master's. <laughs> um, but on, on the flip side, I look at it like this, like at any point, if if, if I was ever in any school, with any class, and I went, I've got 124%. I've got two weeks left. I don't have to go to those two weeks. Mm. I don't have to be there. The worst I could do is a B minus. Like, they're, I'm not going to miss enough work to kill a quarter of someone else's grade. So I, I got a vacation. That's the way my brain computes it. That's terrible. It's immature. It's lazy. It's also a hundred percent Nicholas. So um, <laughs> it's, it, I just, I was flabbergasted. I picked that up for a good amount of time last night over it. I, I mean, I'm super proud. Like I'm ridiculously happy, but it's just to me a bit outlandish. So I had to you know bust his chops on it. It's exactly what I do. Like I said, it was once you've hit, Matter of fact, that B plus range, and you still got two weeks left and four or five assignments to turn in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're shutting it down. You're and yes, I did get a master's, but it's a lot of work. So if I can shut it down in one class and catch up on the other, I'm doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I really wish. So we make fun of my middle son because like last time, like, so you can't pass more than one class at a time. He has five classes at any given time. He'll have one A. He'll have one C. And he always has a failing grade. And then by the end of the semester, he'll scratch through with like a D minus. But it drives me crazy because it's never in things that are really hard where you learn new stuff. It's always in like social studies or geography, things that very rarely ever change in middle school and high school. 
like short of like a terrible earthquake or a really big explosion, geography doesn't really change. The names on it might change, but it doesn't change. Same thing with social studies. It's practically a history class. So it drives me nuts. Don't get me wrong. I despise those classes myself. But like, it's really easy just to like half, you know, half booty it and pass it. Uh, He's like, I got they inquired. I was like, way to show up, bud. (laughs) <laughs> because okay fair assessment i'm not knocking music i played in band for my entirety of high school and middle school i still play my trumpet i still very heavily influenced by jazz and swing and blues and, and bebop music and i love i love music programs and i think that the arts are the only way forward with most aspects of life i think that you don't get creative without the arts with that being said i also understand that the gradient for or the gradient i'm not even sure if that's the right word i'm not awake enough the uh the way they grade music programs is mostly participation until you get into like the really specified fields it's hey you showed up and you tried good job here's an a so i told him it was a way to show up and we all laughed about it and i, I told him later on, i was like hey, i'm really proud of you You're doing a great job i love you but uh i really do wish he'd show that kind of dedication to other classes because he really does love choir and he, he sings good he does a good job well and i had a hard time when i went from a lot of engineering classes yeah because you know in college they you have to be well-rounded you have to take other classes to, to gain experiences and things you don't care about and between art classes and psychology I did learn that I liked a lot of those things. What I didn't like is how it was graded. When I went to an engineering class and we were, let's say when I was in statics, you do the math, you prove the case and you turn it in. You, they can quantify your work. When really? I went to psych and I, we would talk back and forth about something, I would ask, okay, hang on, what is the answer? And they would say, what do you think the answer is? My answer is that's irrelevant. I'm not teaching the class. What is the answer? And you're right. There is this, and I'll use your term, a gradient in which how they grade. That is quite often, how do they think I thought about the problem? Where in math, you're either right or you're wrong. If I land a rover mathematically three inches below the ground, I don't get the points. That's a crash. But if I explain how I feel about something in sociology or psychology that follows the thought process, but doesn't match what everybody else says, I can still get an A. And it used to drive me bonkers. Well, it's, I get that. It's, it's, it's a hard concept to grasp when when you realize the psychology basic foundation is how you see the world is printed inside of you. Essentially what I'm saying is that when you, when you're in a psych class, they, they teach you about different clinicians and and different specialists and different aspects and fields of psychology and what they worked on and what they did. And that, that takes a couple of weeks because really, I mean, there's only so much you need to know about Freud and, and, and Nietzsche and all these other people, these philosophers and these, and these psychologists in their own right. And then you start to learn about, you know, the way your brain works and why you react, you do certain things and why you react the way you do to other people doing certain things and 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 the why you feel the world in the way that you do and if you have enough introspective to really ask yourself those questions it really will mess with your head it takes a lot of introspect 
just to say, wow, I really suck sometimes. Like, I'm a pathetic worm. And, and when people hear you say things like that, most people, especially people who don't like themselves that have terrible views, that, like terrible self-image and self-confidence would be like, no, you don't. You're amazing. But like, you're not saying it like, oh, I'm, I'm a scourge of the earth. I don't need to exist. You're not depressed. You're just saying, hey, I could be doing so much more. I could be so much more. If I didn't let fear and, and self-disrespect and, and depression rule my decisions, I could be on a mountain instead of in a molehill. Like you could really do amazing things if you just looked at the world differently and more impo- more importantly, looked at yourself differently. And and when you look at all that stuff goes into answering a question like, how do you feel about this? Like it's you're like, <laughs> wow, math is easier. Math is bar none easier. And if you have a real good psych for t- professor, I mean that really challenges you, math is always no calculus is easier. It really is. If you're scared of yourself, oh my gosh. Well, it turned out that I really enjoyed psychology. I really enjoyed sociology. I didn't have to do the, the the work through processes like I did with my engineering classes. But even once we're said and done, once I've picked up my degree, I still study psychology, sociology, how the brain works. I don't study it as much as I do sustainability, but I'm very, very interested in those things. So the when people say, how come when you get a degree, you got to try all these different things? I'm getting a degree in this. That's why. I found a, I found a love of certain kinds of art when I never did before. That's why I was in, in, uh, introduced to Leonardo da Vinci. And then all my, as I call them, soft science classes were really quite fun. Philosophy, psych, so those were really fun classes and worth every, every minute. Well, I think that one of the most powerful things you can say in your life to yourself is, hmm, I can do that. With the the sense of it's an epiphany, it's 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 a light bulb coming on that you don't need to go through the entire program to get a, a PhD to take a psych class or to have an interest in something. If you have these interests in these soft sciences or any field, you know, like I'm I'm a chef, I work in kitchens, I have a huge interest in marine biology. I love the ocean and animals. Um, you've heard me go on many rants about whales and we won't touch turtles, but I don't have to go to school to love that. You don't have to go back to school if you choose to to be interested in psychology, to read about Nietzsche, to read about Freud or any of these guys. Carl Jung is an amazing amazing person to read about if you're into philosophy and psychology like there's there's all these things in life that you could just you know you can dabble in you can dip your toe in yeah i see i used i plugged your place um (laughs) because you have an interest and you realize that you can do it there's not enough people that realize that they don't realize "Hmm, i can do that because you can you don't have to change your career and go get another another master's degree because you want to sit down with people listen to them talk about their problems if you choose to do that more power to you but you don't have to you don't have to do that to have an interest in something i, I love that there and there's tons of professors and there's tons of educators that, that put their their classes online for free for people that are interested but don't want to take that full path to doing what they do just to watch and learn and that's wonderful yeah there's a ton of them that i, I follow on youtube youtube does have good things too it doesn't have people just making loud noises and playing video games all the time it does have those college courses and i've taken several one from yale and a couple from harvard that i just really some sustainability but just ones i find interesting just ones i think i'll enjoy if you removed all political discourse and all religion or religious discourse from youtube take it all away it would become the most useful teaching tool and entertainment tool on the planet. The, the YouTube revolutionized 
film production in a sense that for the first time ever, the, the average person had the same ability to spread their voice that a multi-billion dollar company did. And now there are YouTubers that get more daily views than big name organizations on television and cable companies. Like YouTube had the potential and still does and fulfills it in a lot of ways of spreading all this useless information and useful information. You say video games, listen, there are some people I watch play video games on YouTube, not because... I, I necessarily like them a lot, but because I like that game, but I really suck at it. And they just teach me how to do it better because like it or not, there are some things I'm not a trial, but error kind of person in some things. And when I am playing a video game, I don't want to die 50 times to learn how to live once. <laughs> so if I can, yeah. if I can, if I can watch super streamer 35 made up name, not a real guy, and he will teach me how to do it. Then I will. But on the flip side, if you're into like wood burning or if you're into carving or if you're into cooking, there's tons of cooking stuff on there. If you're into martial arts. I follow a uh, a uh, a sensei from he's Japanese. He's young. He's like 24. He's got like a 12th degree black belt, and like four different martial arts. And he, he, he does lessons on YouTube. He also, though, watches karate movies from the 80s and 90s and reviews them and critiques their their martial arts. It's really funny. I love him. Well, and we have tons of content that's got to get online at some point because we have been doing video after video after video now for over a year. And that's the goal is to get our channels loaded up with stuff. But we can barely get here on time to do this thing. And it's going to be a minute before we can start getting all the videos because I was just listening to the town hall with Rob Bogan and I. And it says this is little bits of a much longer sit down mm-hmm. you can you'll see more when we put the video online i'm thinking yeah it's not online yet well truthfully i think that one of the uh i'm not going to call it the desaria mentalities but i'm going to call it the gen x mentalities that you really have to break and i do too is the acceptance of the notion that you can't be the person that does everything you really need to hire someone for video production or find someone that's bored and wants to do something like i don't know aiden would be great and just have them start pumping stuff out online. You already have too many projects. You are, um, oh, what did I call you the other day? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I had a, I made a joke. I was, I was telling Heather about you, about what you showed me with your work. And I was telling her about it. And I, I called you like, like Mr. Multiplicity or something because you're doing the job of like four people. And I was like, he really needs help. I was like, so when it comes to like recording and stuff, she's like, you guys haven't recorded in a while. I'm like, I know we haven't, but you know, between the, the things I'm doing and you are infinitely busier than I am. Like, I'm not even going to try to say we're in the same category. I'm, I'm tiptoeing in the shallow one. You're cannonballing in the dive and like the, you know, the dive center, deep pool, whatever. I can't put good analogies together because I'm tired, but you got to help me. You got to get help, man. You got to find someone that can do video production and get it up there. Well, and we're doing a lot of that. I'm learning that value. And that is, you know, between Stemnetics and dabble and finding others it's it's slow because you want your hands on everything but it is limiting when your hands are on everything so i am starting to look for those people because for example live launch is at like thirty-five thousand people that that whole franchise should be worked that podcast still has a sponsor like that could be rebranded and restarted and that whole franchise could could absolutely uh, start functioning again but it takes a person and it takes a couple of people. And that's one of those things that's on the list. When I find the right people, then we go from there. Same thing with our video stuff. If I find the right person that's capable of doing it, we have years of content now that people can pick through and find the funnies and all the little things together. And 
get those TikToked or YouTubed uh, on our channels. So it is what it is. Let's, uh, we have a promise to keep long before Christmas. We talked about where we're going to try to get some of these uh, shows back in the house, some of the sustainability in the house. And we, uh, we haven't yet because we haven't recorded. So this week I want to talk about flooring, the flooring in our house, because there's a lot of diversity in that and a lot of embodied energy in that <laughs> when you start looking at flooring. And I've even had conversations with engineers this week about what should be in a house when you're talking about flooring. Okay. Well, I think that's a really interesting topic. And I've, I've been thinking about a little bit ever since you'd sent me you know, the invite to, to this recording. And I have my ideas on flooring, what I like, what I don't like as, as a consumer and as a person. And then I have an idea as to what I think the actual most sustainable flooring is, but it's kind of way on the other side and it goes with, but it goes with the right situation. Um, so I want you to start and then I'm going to poke my nose in where it doesn't belong in a minute. Well, there's tons, 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 especially now that they're chemically creating different kinds of flooring. Uh, tons of different flooring that are used and sold today. There's composite marble yeah. or marble, uh, linoleum. There's a like a natural cork style tile now. There's uh, cork plank. There's nylon carpet. Uh, and I can never say this terrazzo, terrazzo, terrazzo. There's that. That's in the bathroom here at Dabble. I just found that out, which is kind of a cement mix. There's ceramic tile, there's cement flooring, vinyl, uh, wool carpet, natural hardwoods, solidwoods, softwoods. There is a ton. There's porcelain tile, all kinds of things you can put on a floor. And I agree. The question is, what should be on the floor? Because I'm going to sell myself out long before I did sustainability. The house in Flushing, the living room in just the time that I lived there had carpet four times. Okay. Carpet's disgusting. <laughs> and the only, the only, I hate carpet. I, I I will flat out just ever tell everyone now I'm biased against it. I think it's disgusting. I think it holds dirt and bacteria more than anything there is. It's gross. It's like living on a sponge. So if you get it wet, it takes forever for it to dry. It holds everything. There's no real cleaning it. The only suitable purpose carpet really does have is that it does kind of help you keep your room warmer it does hold heat a little better it has a pad underneath it and it's not cold to step on when you step on carpet it's cushy and it doesn't feel terrible under your feet it's like fake grass you know i don't really care to have carpet in the home uh, my my preference for flooring and keep in mind certain set of circumstances i think that the best flooring the most sustainable flooring is along the lines of cement or concrete or something like that something that just that that you didn't have to really take from you didn't have to destroy trees to make you didn't have to carve out a huge part of like a, a mine to pull out hunks of marble or anything like that it's just you make it you pour it you make it flat and pretty and then it's there it, now keep in mind the reason why i said a set of circuit like certain set of circumstances is that like that's kind of like a, a, a ground level thing you don't want to have cement floors upstairs the amount of the support beams and stuff you'd have to have in your home would be ridiculous for how much weight that's going to bring but with that being said it the stone especially if it, if it was natural stone but if it's just cement it's obviously not natural um once you warm that up your house is going to stay warm for a long time. So if, you're, if your house is insulated well and you have your um, heat ducts and everything designed in a way to utilize your floor as kind of a, 
um, uh, insulator, then it would really, really keep your house warm really well. And the same thing with if it was nice and cool in the summer, it's going to stay cold a long time. Um, you find that that happens a lot with, with harder floors like tiles or hardwoods or, or, or cement that you know, when they're when your house is cold, they're really cold. And even in the summer, you know, with the house on Nichols Road, when it was 90 degrees in the house, you could lay on the floor and the floor was like 60. It was so cool. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, I like stone. I think stone is an awesome option. And the reason I said cement or concrete is because you don't really have to do much to get it. It takes water, but compared to carpet, it doesn't take much. Well, and I covered parts of this in the book. <clears throat> not not super in-depth, but you, what you're talking about is the density of the floor. And if you can get direct sunlight to it, it will store that energy and warm your house for a period of time after dark. It is it 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 is a way to help reduce energy costs by going with hard flooring. And yes, you did get you nailed that one. Now, carpet is one of the major reasons for sick building syndrome. You're right. Everything that gets off gas in the house wants to live in that carpet. Everything that comes off you, everything that comes off your animals, everything wants to live there. It is a massive ecosystem. And still, for all I know, I still give Jamie crap about wanting to put in hardwood floors. And I and it's something I need to get out of my head because for the longest time, I always saw carpet with soft, warm luxury. And I don't know if that's commercials as a kid. I don't know who stamped that in my brain, but our carpet needs to come out. We need to extend my kitchen hardwood floors into my living room. We need and they're so much easier to clean and, and have better air in the house. So first things first, before we even really move in, carpet is garbage. Carpet is bad for your health. It is impossible to keep clean. Not hard, but impossible to keep clean. Unless you are running, I believe the answer is you're supposed to vacuum carpet once per day per heartbeat in the home. It's not possible. It's <laughs> so for us with five five human beings, a dog, two cats, and I don't know if you get to count the snake or not, but he's got a heart. Yeah, but he's not in the carpet. Anyways, that's a lot of vacuuming. That's just non-stop vacuuming. So when we as we talk about this, <laughs> I'm gonna exclude carpet because it's already a no. And I'm always embarrassed because I've swapped out carpet so many times in my life. And that's the biggest problem with flooring is that flooring has trends. It is, has, this is cool right now. When you walk into a house and there's orange shag carpet, someone at one point in history was proud to lay that carpet. And now, even if it was flawless, you're yanking it out. That's where we start having sustainability problems. We start changing it per our taste even though it's still good flooring when it comes to home renovations or remodeling flooring is probably outside of a coat of paint the cheapest way to make a big change in your home that makes you feel like you're doing something makes you feel satisfied that consumer in you without any structural changing Mm-hmm. So when you empty the, the things out of your rooms, your appliances and stuff, and you put, you take the carpet out and then you got hardwoods or you throw tile down or linoleum or vinyl, whatever it is you're putting down this uh, carpet, it's a huge noticeable change. And everyone that comes in your home that's been there before is going to say something about it. And I understand that that's like a, 
an internal desire. There's lots of people that just they get so sick, like almost depressed of where they live. They want to they want to make a change. They can't afford to get a new house or to pack them and move, but they can change where they live to be a little bit nicer or to make them a little happier. Yeah, I get that. I do. I'm 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 one of those people. I, there's lots of things I'd love to do to where I live, but I, I don't understand. And, I just don't get it. I don't, I, it's the carpet. Thing. I, I can't, I got, I got like a great radon. I got it on sale. I got it on clearance. So that's why you did it three times in a year. Like, I, I don't get it. And, and don't get me wrong. I think that there are uses for carpet. Uh, a buddy of mine who had moved into a house and the house, they, one of the selling points was all the, all brand new carpet, brand new sub flooring. They redid the whole house. Carpet had been done like less than a year before I moved in. And some of the rooms, because the house was bought as a, like a you know handyman special, it was renovated and sold. So my buddy bought it. His wife hated the carpet, so they ripped it out. So I told him, when I was like, you know, you could probably, instead of throwing it all away, cut it up into good size sections, four to five feet, roll them, throw them online and see if mechanics need them to put on their under cars or they, they don't want to lay on the dirt. Find it. You make rugs out of them. Find, try to find someone that does crap. See if there's anything that can be used for because it's a waste and it's an expensive waste. And I'm not even really talking about like the cost of the environment, just financially. It's an expensive waste. I mean, even if you're paying 50 cents a square foot for installation because you got a really good deal on it, 50 cents is outlandish. I know, but 50 cents, you know, if you have a thousand square feet, 50 cents of a thousand square feet is $500. Well, and carpet has the, the smallest life cycle of almost any flooring with one of the highest embodied energies. Yeah. I, I won't even, I'm not going to say names, but we have a family member that likes new build houses and they've moved several times into new build houses just since I've known them. And almost every time, the first thing they do is rip out all the carpet. So they buy a brand new, new build, rip out all the carpet and do their own flooring. Like that hasn't even been stepped on yet. <laughs> no, it just makes me cringe. And I told them last time, if you ever do that again, I want the carpet. Well, I'll find a home, I'll use it, whatever. Because part of when it comes to flooring is in order to get the embodied energy out of something, you have to use it till it's no longer good. And that's why I don't like the trendiness of certain things. This is popular right now because it won't be popular even in your life, even in the time that the carpet is still good you will want to replace it because it's the trendy one from 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, even if, even if you have a high traffic home, I mean, there's a lot of aspects where like if someone carpets their whole house and they have a big family fight, like you said, you know, you got you know, five people in the house and animals. And in my case, we got three dogs and it, it doesn't make sense to me that we just put this down. It costs $2,000 and six months later, spots of it are looking run down because they get stomped out a thousand times in a week. Why, why would we even consider that investment? Like, I don't like it. I'll never like it and I'll never want it. it I just, I wanted to get that right out there in front street because I can complain about carpet for a long time. We won't even talk about like whatever those, uh, those dirt devil salesmen or those uh, rainbow or those Kirby's let me come in and vacuum your house. I'm like, you're like, yeah, please do. You know what it's going to do. They know what it's going to do. They think that they're selling you on a vacuum and you know, you just want someone else to vacuum your floor. Cause you've done it 30 times that week. <laughs> So one of the things I found was the two highest embodied energy, the two worst for the environment flooring are what we sell in the United States the most of. I know we're shocked by that, but carpet is by far the highest flooring by volume that we sell. And easily, it is actually the second most intense flooring when it comes to energy. 
But if you count sick building syndrome, the storage of uh, allergens and all that stuff, it's probably by far the worst. But we sell in the United States 10.6 billion square feet a year of just carpet. And you know that's replacing other carpet. That is uh, new builds. There's a lot of reasons why we're selling it. But do we honestly think that every room of carpet where carpet was replaced was because it was wore out, damaged in some way, and then not reused if possible? No. It's purely vanity. It's the look of a room. It's to make it look good. I live here. I want my house to look good. Well, that's part of it, but there's more to that. That's not even just like, you know residential consumerism you know as well as i do that when large companies corporations decide they're going to upgrade the equipment in a building and they're going to upgrade you know the, the aesthetics of a building and they're going to rebrand to be more economical or more obtainable for a different generation they got everything like oh we just bought this six months ago well it's not the right color or it's not the right pattern so we got to change 500 square feet in each building 500 buildings across the you know the country it's gone and that's just what they do they write it off and it gets ripped out and thrown away and there's lots of people who sorry who get these clean out you know contracts where a company will say hey we're upgrading all of our uh, all of our servers so they get paid they're they're these recycling companies if you want to call it recycling they're really just fancy ebayers that get paid they get paid to come in and clean out all the the hardware all the computers the printers and the servers the you know all that they just take it they get paid to come and take it where they take it back to their place and thank god instead of throwing it in the landfill they they break it apart and they part it out and they sell it to people that are going to reuse it and stuff like that they're making a killing they're getting paid to make money what a great job yeah but those carpet squares aren't going to get resold no those, they're garbage yeah the carpet that they pull out the flooring that they pull out everything they do when it comes to flooring the vast majority tear it out cut it up roll it up and put it to the road or take it to the dump depending on where you live Mm -hmm. and there are other uses as you were saying mechanics use them all the time carpets uh carpet strips to lay on underneath yeah is much nicer than laying on the ground you can make Uh, cat trees out of them there's all different kinds of things you can do with it you have a staple gun yeah i mean it's but no one does. Let's face it. We now, granted, I pulled carpet out of the out of the basement at Dabble. It was moldy and disgusting, so it really didn't have much of a use. But that's exactly what I had to do. I cut it into strips. I rolled it up, and it went to the trash. I did not put carpet back down there because I'm I'm done with carpet. The more I read, the more it disgusts me. And if it does come out, if the few rooms left, the two living rooms have carpet in my house. Everything else is a hardwood floor. It the day those that carpet comes out, it doesn't go back. It's going to be another hardwood floor. But the thing that I dislike is that not only is carpet sold the most, it is in more houses than anything else. It uses the most energy. It creates the most health problems. But even the carpet industry, when they're trying to sell you the length, it still says 10 to 15 years. And in most cases, in most houses in the United States, carpet stays five to 10 years. So they continue to drop the quality so it wears out quicker. But yet we still have the same embodied energy. We still have the, the dyes, the, the plastics, the cottons, the weaving, all this stuff, along with that big mat that goes underneath the padding. Like it is energy intensive. And now it doesn't even last a lifetime. 
Well, I think that at some point the the people that were designing it realized that carpet, in terms of flooring, it used to be, in my, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe it used to be more of a cheap alternative to wood because wood is what you've seen. And I don't mean like all the time. I think consistently through history, prices fluctuate. But at one point in our lives, carpet was the cheap alternative to wood because everyone had hardwood. And it would be getting more expensive. Every house I've ever lived in in my life has the same wood floors because they're built in like between the 30s and 50s. So we tear those out. It's that exact same flooring. The f- house I live in now, same flooring the dad's house has in it. Um, and what happened in both those homes? They're laid over with carpet. So you had to tear it out, get the floors refinished. But people realized that people started changing carpet because it was cheaper and cheaper. Because they wanted to. It was become a vanity thing. It wasn't even like a usefulness or a, a getting, you know, its lifetime out of it. It's, hey, this is cheap and it's pretty. I want something new. Well, okay, well, let's lower the quality. People aren't really concerned if it's going to last the entire length because we don't really need to make it last the entire length. And then as time goes on, th- there becomes other reasons for that. Maybe their cost is getting more expensive. Maybe they figure they could make it where it was durable enough to where under the right circumstances it could last what they said it would last. But that's a blanket, you know, method and everyone's different. My household, while having a very similar amount of heartbeats as yours, is not the same. You have a snake, I have a turtle. I mean, you have cats, I have dogs. But I don't know. So I don't know where I was going with that. I just hate it. I hate carpet. Well, and that's one of the things that way back the last time I bought carpet, which is long before my sustainability education, the last time I went they showed us the carpet. We said, yes, this is the kind of carpet. Okay, it wears quickly. So I recommend that you buy a little more carpet so we can make runners. So they talked us into buying additional carpet to cover my carpet so that it would last longer in the high traffic areas. So they wanted you to buy rugs made from carpet. It was just pre yeah shaped uh, remnants of that exact carpet to lay over that carpet so that the hallways and walkways would not wear out. You say shaped like it's more intensive than cutting it. You're like, it's like a shaped. Yeah, it's cut. It's measured and cut. It's carpet. It's not like it's it's I don't know. People are ridiculous with it. Like you, you see it the most in, in uh manufactured homes. They have that a lot. Like mm. they'll either have that or they'll have like the carpet plastic wrap the whole house. And then runners over it. So you get the feel, but you don't damage the goods. Right. So when we look at different kinds of flooring, there is one flooring that takes more, more energy than carpet. And that's vinyl. And, really? that's, and that is what we sell the second most in the United States and is currently the most popular is the, the vinyl flooring. The same stuff Jamie put in the attic and that you see people putting in houses every day right now. Well, okay, so I need to, I need clarification. You say vinyl. I know there's lots of different kinds. You mean the tongue and groove, right? The yeah, ones the that vinyl, are made to, the vinyl the made, they're made to look like wood, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, yeah. They're, it's so much cheaper than wood. And it has been for a long time. And, and, and I only say that because probably when it's brand new, it's probably not that much cheaper. But every store you go to, whether it be a Menards or a Home Depot, and I'm putting these stores on blast or a Gilroy's or okay Ollie's the the surplus superstore where everything's like 80% off they sell it too mm-hmm. if you walk in there it's like oh on clearance it's 19 cents a square foot you're like well 19 cents a square foot I could do my whole house and so especially during COVID people bought the heck out of it and they were they redid their whole house like and yeah it was already produced but if you continue the market and you buy what's already made that just you know encourages them to make more so well that's that's why a lot of times, and you'll get a giggle out of this, 
I buy stuff from the auction. <laughs> the surplus auction does not search out more of it if you bought it. They're just Correct. getting stuff in. Now, when you go to Ollie's, it doesn't matter. It's still a inventoried company. If they sell a lot of it, they're going to go look for it. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Menards, if you go to Home Depot, Lowe's, same thing applies. When you buy it, they order another one. Absolutely. That creates the production going. I look on Facebook Marketplace for someone who bought too much and buy their, you know, and that what they have left is enough for me. I look for, you know, Craigslist. I, I use the auction. Right now we have um, ceramic flooring in the basement here at Dabble because that's what's going to go in the hallways and into the kitchen. Nice. That was overflow from the auction. You know, I try to get as much as I can from sources that don't replace it or purposely replace it. And that's one way we can kind of get away from some of this. There's two rules of sustainability. If you bought it, you use it forever and take care of it. And if you're going to buy it, look for a source that isn't a store. So it doesn't try to produce another one. Now, granted, your taste, you may not find it. You may not find exactly what you want. And this is that part of the realistic sustainability portion. Because if it's not exactly what you or your wife or someone wants, you may you may choose to replace it sooner. So make sure you get whatever you get is the last time you're getting it. Well, yeah, I think there's something to be said about um, you get what you pay for. And, and that goes hand in hand with the notion that if you are going to pay for something, if you made the acceptance that, hey, we want to put new flooring down, spend the money, get what you want. Get something that you really love. Because you, if you're committing to having it for a long time, you don't want to be miserable looking at something like... Because every time life gets hard, every time you get angry, you're like, oh, I spent $3,000 on this hunk of crap. Like, you're just going to get irritated. Um, you see that with every every father or grandfather or uncle who is mad about something he bought for one of his kids that he didn't want to spend money on when it breaks down. <laughs> you, you see it all the time. So, like, make sure if you're going to spend money on something, you like it. And, and like I said, like Michael said, you know, it's this is realistic sustainability. Obviously, you can't 100% go live in the woods and eat the bugs. Not all of us are going to be like 100% diehard. We want you to live your life and enjoy your life. Just maybe be a little more considerate when you do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe your household can't use certain kinds of flooring. For example, bamboo is bamboo flooring. If you have a dog, within a few years, you get this like little dents from their nails all over it. Yeah, it's not so, it's not durable. It's not meant for that. You know, it's a fast growing wood. It is much more sustainable to use, but it may not function in your home. So you have to have something that you know you're going to keep because I'm looking at numbers here. You know, according to rankings where I took several sites and kind of mushed them together to get averages, vinyl is by far the worst. And they say it lives from five to 25. I assume that is based on how well you take care of it. But if you bought vinyl flooring and it lasts five years, I'm angry. (laughs) I think that if people are smart, they would put the flooring in their home based on the traffic that each room gets. I think that for most of the rooms in your house, like bedrooms and and hallways, and maybe even your your main living area, vinyl flooring should be fine and it should be able to be used in the whole house. But I think if your house has a mudroom or an entranceway that gets all the dirty nitty gritty traffic, the muddy shoes, the snow, the water, it's got tons of, you know, contact with pets and with, and with your feet, with the nastiest weather, you probably shouldn't put, something in there that's not 
guaranteed to last 10 or 15 years. You probably should put something more durable in there because even if you take care of it, it's getting a snap beat out of it way more. If that's, you know, that's the stop where people take like your house, you have that little where your laundry room is. That's where everyone takes off their shoes. Well, most of us do. Um, I don't always, if I've been drinking, I'm sorry, but what's where most of us take off our shoes. So after that point, the rest of your house gets a little lighter impact because we're just walking around our socks. We're not clomping around in big old, you know, work boots covered in mud and dirt. Well, and it's the more I look at these. So part of that ranking was the worst one that I had on the ranking list was vinyl. And I didn't like the timeline. It gave you a five to 25 carpet just says five to 10. So not only is it probably the worst, I know vinyl ranks higher because I was doing embodied energy, but when you start taking it into the health effects of carpet, I think it probably is the worst and it lasts the least amount of time. Then you have ceramic and glass flooring, even though those are massively intense when it comes to energy, they're heavy. They're you know, so transit that takes a lot of fossil fuels. You takes a lot of space when you're moving them from point A to point B, they last 75 to hundred years. So if you went with something neutral that worked and you were going to keep that forever, then at least 75 to 100 years that's a lifetime you won't change yeah and for most americans that's two to three generations at a home i mean yeah i mean and then you have laminate Mm -hmm. that follows that and it drops the life cycle down 15 25 so yes it uses a little less energy than ceramic but it doesn't but it lasts at best a quarter of its life compared compared to ceramic concrete is 50 to 100 I assume that has to do with how the house is built and if it shifts and if it can crack the concrete and stuff like that. And as you said, base floors only, but that is, you know, 50 to hundred years. So then I start looking at bamboo, which is we're starting to get up to like the fourth best on this list. And it's 20, uh, 20 to 25 years. I think that's kind of a sweet spot for the average life cycle of a flooring and, you know, a softwood flooring, I like that the window is small. They say 20 to 25, not 50 to 100. You know, your your error is uh, small. Uh, I also like that the third one on here was cork, and it just says 40 plus. Like, there is no necessarily an end life on cork. Then you have virgin hardwoods, which kind of fall in line with bamboo. It's 20 to 30, so it's not that much longer for a hardwood. That reclaimed wood is obviously the best thing to do. If you can find a gorgeous flooring wood that's sitting in a pile somewhere, that's the floor. That has had a life. You clean it, you sand it, you give it a second life. By far the best way to do flooring. You know, to to add something to that, years ago... um... I don't, we would have been like, I would have been in my early 20s, maybe. I was just after I moved out from living with you. And dad had briefly talked about tearing down that two car garage next to his house. Now, the two car garage has been there forever. It's not, it's not in the greatest shape, but the upstairs has a red cedar, beautiful stained floor. The, uh, the flooring in the attic to the garage, I would put the house in a heartbeat. It was, it is so pretty. Um, so when he said that, I was like, well, I want the wood out of the ceiling. You looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> like, it's just, it's stunning. It's so pretty, but I just had to throw that in there. Continue. Well, and see, I'm lucky because I, as you call Jamie married a unicorn and she's got all these woodworking tools and, you know, lathes and things. She has bought piles of white oak and piles of all these different woods that are out there. Cause she, when she does projects, she prefers reclaimed wood 
she loves to take something that someone's throwing away and make it beautiful. And when the time comes, what I really need to do is shut my mouth, close my eyes, and wait for her to do some kind of magic voodoo on the flooring because I'm going to like it. I always do. I always like what the end result is. and But yet, I'm so stuck in my ways that I sometimes hinder it. But reclaimed flooring by far is the best. To me, reclaimed is first. Auction or secondary purchase, second. So even if you're getting ceramic or porcelain, even if you're getting vinyl, if you're getting it through a source that isn't ordering another one, you're in much better shape than buying any of these brand new from the store. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that in most communities, if you look around, there's usually, you know, little handyman crafts that as a side job, make things out of reclaimed wood. Uh, we have, and I don't think you've ever seen it, but we have a stocking holder. It's, it looks like they look like fence posts. But what it is, is there's this guy that gets old pallets and he gets like, if someone's tearing down an old barn, he'll go and take as much of the wood as he can. A lot of the times those people just give it away anyways. He'll go take as much as he can. And he makes these stands. Now, the one we have is about two and a half feet wide. It stands about three feet tall. It's got a nice square base and it's got three planks that come up and they've got hooks on them. And the, the names of each kid in the bottom, it says believe and it's for hanging your stockings on and it's precious. And it was all made from reclaimed wood. And he, I think I paid him. I think I paid him. I think I paid him $50 for it. And I think that he said that the, the materials and the time, he only had a few hours wrapped in it, but he took something that was garbage and looked like trash. I made something quite lovely with it. It is really pretty. We had uh, one made for our friends, Cassie and Fred. Right after we got ours, we had one made for them. Um, I, I love it. So I think I think it's great. And I think that anyone that does that kind of stuff, you know, there's a guy I've mentioned him a lot of times. He's an older fella in town. His name's, uh, his name's Jerry. He does the Santa's workshop here and he uses reclaimed wood and builds things like he builds toys for kids. He builds barns. He builds he finds reasons to use what someone else threw away. So it doesn't you know, it wasn't chopped down and processed in vain. And I love that. Well, and as we wrap up, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. If just don't let it get to a landfill. You can't go to a landfill. So when we look at flooring, the first thing to, to look at is, first of all, try not to replace it. Can it be used? Can it be resurfaced? Can it be saved? I have friends talking about vinyling over hardwood. Please don't. You know, you have beautiful hardwood floors. It's, you resurface them with the same money you would have paid for vinyl. And where you're not buying vinyl, you're not producing more vinyl, you're not getting that whole consumer side. And you're going to get a better product that lasts longer with your hardwood floors. So the first things first, do you really need to replace it? That's the first part of the whole thought process of sustainable thinking. Uh, the second one is, can you refinish it? Can you repurpose it? And the fact is, when you're, it, let's say you do have to replace it. Stay away from the trendy stuff. It's temporary. It's always temporary. It's only cool for the time it's cool. So you stay with neutrals. You stay with things that you can build off of each time. You pick the, Jamie likes the grays. She works with a lot of different shades of gray and she can decorate a room and it works out really, really well. But a lot of times people use a lot of beiges, whites, stuff like that. Stick with those because you, you can always redecorate the room to look good. Let's, let's avoid the, the replacement of flooring all the time. And if you do yank a bunch of stuff out, what can you use it for? 
is there a bunch of porcelain tiles that you can, even if you don't sell it, give it to people who will m create beautiful art with it? Are they going to let them break it up into pieces and make a, a tabletop surface? Let them create, you know, if you have hardwood that you've yanked out for some reason, let someone create like you were just saying. We've got to find ways to re reuse it and keep it out of the landfills. So that is what the important part is on any set of flooring is that thought process. I know if it's unappealing, you want to change it. Just mm -hmm. make sure that when you change it, you do it one time, that you're thinking about all these things and you're trying to find a home for what you've taken out. Yes, old carpet, mechanics will use them, cut them into strips, guys will come get them, they will use those. And I'm sure there's all kinds of industries out there that people will use that if they're working on cars, tractors, whatever it happens to be. There's a purpose. Don't, don't just roll it up and send it out to the trash. Yeah, I mean, or on top of the mechanics, if, if you do have a house that has a mudroom or heavy traffic areas, take that carpet that you tore out that's in good shape. Make make runners for yourselves. Make make rugs. Make make something that is just, just for you to put your shoes on. Make, use it in places where it still has a use that you don't have to stare at it 24-7. You know, you could put it, you line your, your closets with it where you put old shoes and stuff. Whatever it is you're going to do with it, try to find a use for it. I mean, if you want to put it inside your dog bed, fine, whatever. But just don't throw it away. Always find to. a use for material that you don't have a use for anymore. doesn't mean it has to be you using it. It just needs to be used. And I would honestly do that before replacing the floor. Have a home for what you're taking out before you even take it out. So we have, we're excited to have been back. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm just happy to be here. And thank you for all of you who've endured our couple of weeks of reruns and stuck around and, and we do appreciate it. It was kind of a hard few weeks and I was excited to see that we got more comments and we got more conversation along with more posts online. It was just nice. It, it made me feel good. So thank you to all of you very, very much. If you liked this episode, share it on social media or with a friend. If you want to support us more directly, obviously we have that sustainer where you can support realistic sustainability for less than a dollar a month. Thank you for those who already do. It makes us feel warm and fuzzy as if we're doing something that brings value to your life. And you can find that on the greeningyourlife.org site or on our anchor site just by searching realistic sustainability. You can also just leave a five-star review. I'll be honest, I've started seeing some comments on the bottom on, on different platforms like Podbean, I think it's named. Thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it. Just clicking a like, clicking a follow, and just putting in something tells these podcast companies that you're listening to us. And the more you do that, the more we show up in search engines and it really does help the show. So we do appreciate that. Thank you very much for all that you've done over the last year plus. And remember, we get together each week just to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week.